to the Wagner Ministries International Podcast. As you listen to this message, our prayer is that you would be motivated and empowered to follow Christ and lead others to Him. Enjoy. Hello friends, this is Joshua Wagner with Wagner Ministries International welcoming you to our podcast today and this is a very exciting and special podcast because this is a recap podcast of one of our most recent crusades. In fact, uh, my father evangelist Dr. Kevin Wagner just returned from this trip which was um, in a very remote, unreached area of our world. And the stories coming out of this crusade are really just fantastic. And we wanted to share with you listeners what God did and uh, rejoice together with, with what is happening in this unreached area of the world and how God is expanding his kingdom even in these dark places. And so I want to just start off today by um, you know, welcoming you, Dad, and maybe just sort of give us a bit of background as to where you went and, and some of the ministry that uh, took place. Thanks, Josh. Well, of course, for security reasons, I can't uh, tell you the nation that we're actually in, but what I can tell you is that it is, it is an Islamic nation, and it is uh, near the Persian Gulf, uh, it's either in or near the Middle East, depending on how you define the Middle East. And I can tell you this, that the city that we flew into, which is a very large city in Asia, really one of the largest cities in the world, it, uh, we drove six hours out of that city into a place that even the locals said, this is a remote city. <laughs> uh, and it was, of course, a large city, but remote, meaning that many of the people there, especially the children, when they saw me, they were really kind of surprised a bit. And the little kids, they kind of wanted to touch me, my skin, because they'd never, many of them had never seen in real life a person with, uh, with white skin before. Um, it was, uh, as you said, it was very unreached. We would say certainly least reached for Christ. Uh, it's been held in the grip of Islam and uh, the false god of Islam for many centuries. And we were so happy to be able to go and proclaim Jesus there. The thing is, we always tell our crusade directors, you know, we want to go to a place that is least reached and also has never had a crusade meeting like this before. And so this is one of those cities. And it was very evident from the beginning that the city was uh, ripe and ready to receive Jesus. And it was an incredibly wonderful time that we had there. So yes, uh, that's where we were. And uh, it was amazing. Powerful. Obviously, those are the types of places that we try to target in our ministry, and so it's wonderful that you're able to go there. Um, why don't you give us a bit of a breakdown of what the week's schedule looked like, um, what type of ministry this was, crusade ministry, leadership ministry, and just give us a breakdown of what sort of things went on during the week. We had four nights of crusade meetings, and we had two uh, good days of leaders conference meetings. The leaders came in, there were almost 300 
uh, regional leaders, we would call it, because there weren't they weren't even all local. Many of them are ministry paid to uh, to bring in from pretty significant distances for the conference, and it was a real real time of refreshing. Um, I really uh, preached a lot about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in a culture that is hostile to Christianity. Um, talk to them about the power of, of, uh, of love, love for enemies, love for those who persecute them. Um, talked about the power of prayer and then was able to demonstrate that as the week progressed with um, many of the miracles that, and deliverances that they saw. Uh, it, was, it was a great time of refreshing, I believe, for the leaders. They, were, they all seemed very, very thrilled and impacted with what the Holy Spirit was doing. The... Um, the crusade itself, as I said, was four nights, and it was uh, just a fantastic time each night. Uh, I got to preach in a local church, as I always do on Sunday morning, a large local church with where hundreds of people gathered to hear about Jesus, and it was it was a great time of ministry all week. Fantastic, you know. Um... One of the things that we so value in our ministry is the development of those pastors and leaders. And so, um, you know, yeah, it costs us money to bring in these leaders from some of them far distances and, and help them come to these events. But we know how critical it is to the long-term growth of the ministry that's happening there. So it's wonderful we were able to do that this week. Um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the specifics of the crusade, how, um, you know, the nights got bigger, I would imagine, how from one night to the next, um, there was, you know, sort of a growing energy and excitement among the people, and um, perhaps even some of the, the stories that stand out to you from this week at the crusade. Yeah, Josh, really, really good question. I, um, as, as you said, you know, with all of our crusades, what typically happens is the first night is kind of an exploratory night for the people. They <clears throat> they're not sure, the local people, the unbelievers, they're not sure, you know, what's going on here. They know there's a big meeting. They know that the signs all say in their own language, Jesus saves, Jesus heals. So, of course, there's a real curiosity. There's an expectation on the part of many that that they want to come and, you know, hear about not only about how to be saved, but also about how their bodies can be miraculously healed. And so it's, it was, it's really powerful that way. Um, and this crusade was, was just like that. Every night the attendance swelled and swelled. And the attendance in the four nights combined was over 30,000 people attended. And here's the great thing, is that we had over 17,000 registered decisions for, for Christ. And this is, it, it doesn't surprise me because every night at the, uh, I give two salvation calls every night uh, or altar calls every night. One, the first is for salvation because obviously that's the most primary thing we're there for to get the people ready for heaven. Uh, but then the second one is for healing. But at the end of the first salvation call, once all the people have prayed to receive Jesus, I'll ask them to raise their hands. And if they've made a first time decision for Christ or... Uh, First time in a long time. Raise your hands and uh, wave them at me. And each of the nights, you know, it looked to me as if the, the whole crowd was waving back at me. But um, 
So it doesn't surprise me that we had over half the people there make decisions for Christ. This is typically actually what we see in places that have truly never had an event like this. Places where they haven't seen, uh, heard the blood of Jesus preached powerfully in public. Um, we're dealing with a many, many unbelievers, Muslims, and others coming to Christ. Uh, you know, the people in, in the, I love the Muslim people so much. They're so precious. Yes, I hate the God of Islam, the false God of Islam. I hate the teachings of Muhammad in the Quran, and we, we certainly uh, you know, rail against them as much as we can with the truth of Jesus. But the Muslim people we love deeply and desperately, just like Jesus loves them. And my experience in these places uniformly whenever we preach in Muslim countries and I'm getting ready to go on my next crusade less in about a month into another huge Muslim country a different one is that mo so the so many Muslims so many 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 multitudes they really and truly are nominal like just like many Christians in in the US and Canada are nominal they say they're Christians insofar as they're not atheists or Buddhists or Hindus or Muslims, but they're not really on fire for Jesus. They're not really committed to the teachings of the Bible. Well, we see the very same thing in Islam. The, the vast majority of Muslims that I've seen in these countries are truly, you know, they're nominal. They're, they're Muslim insofar as that's what the cultures raised them in. That's what their family heritage is. <clears throat> they're not Christians. They're Muslims, but they're they're kind of spiritual free agents, I like to call them. It's like they're waiting for a better offer. <clears throat> they're waiting for truth. They're longing for a, an experience and a touch from the one true God. Um, and this is precisely what uh, we found in this, in this crusade, is that we had, we had all these people who at the beginning of the week were, would say they're Muslims. By the, end, by the first night or two of the crusade, they were already saved. And because they had experienced the love of Jesus Amen. and the power of the Holy Ghost in their lives, and they wanted to be assured that they were on their way out of hell and into heaven. Um, obviously, the, the Crusades themselves were filled with uh, not only salvations, but also fantastic miracles and deliverances from demons. We actually saw more demonic manifestation at this crusade than we had had in a lot of crusades. Uh, one reason for this, as I alluded to before, is that when we go to a place like this that is very le is least reached for Christ, is truly remote, has not experienced meetings like this before, it's like the, the, the healings and the deliverances are often dramatic because the people have been waiting so long for this. They'd never had these opportunities before in public, at least. And so these people who were, you know, weren't active in local churches, they, you know, they've been kind of waiting for a long time for this to happen. So when the, when the crusade was over, I would be spending probably at least as much time be, uh, after the crusade as before praying with the people and, um, and just for many, many things. I hesitate to say too much about the uh, dramatic miracles and deliverances that we saw. They were truly awesome. It was like the book of Acts each night, it seemed. Uh, because here's the thing. Our newsletter, Josh, just went out this morning. Yeah. 
And in it are photos and in-depth details about some of these things. And I would like to encourage those of you who are listening right now to sign up for our free newsletter that comes out once a month, sometimes twice, but usually once. We're not going to harass you with spam email. We're just going to give you incredibly good reports from the, from the crusade fields, the mission fields about what Jesus is doing around the world. Things are going to just blow your mind and encourage you. And so if you want to sign up for our free newsletter today, um, simply go to wagnerministries.org or email us at prayer at wagnerministries.org, prayer at wagnerministries.org, and say, sign me up, uh, because we want to get you signed up for our, our newsletter. I will share this, and this is something that came in over the weekend, and Josh, you haven't even heard this, but uh, these are testimonies that keep coming in after the fact, things that people that didn't testify at the crusade, but that are coming up and telling our local pastors after we leave, this is what Jesus did for me. So now, I got these reports over the weekend, less than two weeks after the um, crusade happened. Here's what the reports say. Two, real, two sisters and their brother... Uh, who were Muslim, attended the uh, first night of the crusade meeting. They came up um, by the bus from their region uh, that we sent out to their, their village. We brought them in by the bus, that we the, the crusade bus, and they came up with other men and women from their village, some of them Hindu even. One of the sisters had mouth cancer, the other sister had a tumor in her womb, and their brother had many small tumors in different parts of his body, especially in his legs. By the power of the blood of Jesus, those Muslim sisters and their brothers are now completely healed. Amazing. And uh, this is an example of some of the testimonies that we didn't include in our newsletter because we just got them recently. But bottom line is, uh, these miracles are still happening. Philippians 1, 6 uh, says that Jesus began a good work in us, begins a good work in us, he, uh, and will carry on to completion until he comes. So that good work is in salvation, deliverance, and healing. And so we believe that, as ma that many more people were healed than we had a chance to testify. And uh, another thing I did that when I was over there is so many of the women and, the, and their husbands, they, they were longing for having babies. They needed healing from uh, the curse of the barren womb. And so I prayed for so many of those special couples when I was over there. And so that's one of those things that I believe in the next few months, we're going to be able to hear reports about God doing as well. But bottom line is there have been, there were some significant, significant uh, miracles and deliverances that were talked about in our newsletter and also are coming in, you know, post-crusade now. Wow, that's just so amazing. You know, um, this is, I love hearing even these testimonies that are happening after we leave. And, and really, to be honest with you, this goes for all of our crusades. We really won't know the impact of any of these crusades until heaven. 
Uh, the, the so many untold stories, so many testimonies that have yet to be shared with us, um, so many salvations, household salvations, and generational salvations that are going to come about as a result of these crusades. So even the numbers and the stories that we're able to learn about and then report, I believe is just only scratching the surface of what's happening in these crusades. And what I love is that these people are not devoid of religion. Uh, they've had religion for hundreds of years. Generations of these people have served Allah. And what is ha- what has resulted is that they're still sick and they are still oppressed and that they still have disease and they have pain. And what you find out very quickly at these crusades is uh, who the true God is because Jesus is able to do what Allah or, you know, if we're with Hindus, what they're, you know, Krishna or whatever their um, Hindu gods are, or if you're in Buddhism and it's just, you know, this attempt to reach nirvana, whatever religion or belief system you come from, what's so powerful is that Jesus is able to do what no other God can. And so this is, these miracles prove uh, the truth that Jesus is the one true God. And so we praise God for that. As we close today, Dad, maybe just sum up for us um, some overall or perspective or some closing thoughts that you have as you reflect on this crusade. You know, Josh, uh, this is, again, something that just happened yesterday, so I haven't even had a chance to tell you about it. You're hearing this along with our listeners for the first time. Uh, just before I was leaving for church yesterday, I got a uh, Facebook phone call a phone call through Facebook from our crusade director um, in this country who organized the crusade. He, he said to me, he says, man of God, will you just give a short prayer and word of encouragement for the two busloads, two full busloads of new converts from the crusade who are right now getting baptized wow in the local river in public full view of the of the uh, muslim people there can you just encourage them and pray for them and take a look here josh i wish you listen other listeners could see this here are some of the photos he sent a bunch of photos of of many of these people getting baptized uh out in public proclaiming their new faith in jesus publicly Young people, um, older adults, all ages. It's just so incredible. So in other words, less than two weeks after the crusade ended, here we have literally busloads of people uh, from the local church, from the local city, uh, getting baptized, taking a public stance for Jesus in this place. And I think, as some of you know, maybe... Maybe it's good to be reminded about this. We track the number of baptisms after the crusade is over uh, and for up to a year after it's over because Jesus said to make disciples in, of, in the world and not only decisions, but in order to be a disciple, you got to make decisions. So we help the, the people make decisions for Jesus and then we, of course, hand them over to the local pastors to do the baptisms and the discipleship. So... It's an incredible thing to see uh, within a very short time these baptisms are starting to take place. Um, And, you know, that's, I think, what I get so thrilled about, maybe more than anything is in this 
great job of full-time evangelism that Jesus has called us to. Uh, I know last week we got word from our crusade director in Ethiopia that I believe it was 3,200 new people baptized as some of our recent crusades or new converts from our recent crusades in Ethiopia have been baptized in the last little while. And so these, these reports keep pouring in, uh, thrilling reports about ongoing discipleship and uh, what God did in this least reached city, this remote city in a very Islamic nation a couple weeks ago is carrying on in terms of their discipleship, in terms of their uh, healings. And thank you, Jesus. You are such a great God. Amen. Wow. We just thank the Lord for all that he's done in this crusade and others. And well, we thank you for your prayers and your support. If you would like to um, you know, hear more stories from this recent crusade and really all of our crusades, yeah, as Dad said, head to our website, wagnerministries.org. And um, you can also sign up for our newsletter there as well. And we thank you for your prayers. We need them to do the work that the Lord has called all of us to do, uh, working in his harvest fields. And so we love you, and God loves you, and we pray the blessing of the Lord be upon you today. God bless. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. For more information regarding Wagner Ministries International, go to wagnerministries.org. And if you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at wagnerministries.org. God bless.